When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Husker fans. Welcome to episode 174 of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. I'm Mike Harvat. On this final day of the college football season, Justin is joined by Chris Hetty of the Omaha World Herald to debrief the Nebraska Cornhuskers 2019 season. This episode is brought to you by Central Nebraska Buffalo. Visit their new website at cnbuffalo.com. Chris, great having you back on the show. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me yet again. It's uh, amazing that you keep having me on. I I really appreciate it. I haven't screwed up yet. Well, we enjoy your perspectives, and I don't know, fun to to talk to you about things beyond football as well. So um, so we've got got the football season in the rearview mirror now. I guess it's not totally done. We've still got the uh, championship game a a week from today. We're talking on on Monday here. I'm curious... um, Especially with the bowl season just having wrapped up, what? How do you look back on the season? Like just big picture thoughts. Like, what do you think? Like, what was it? Why? How? I don't know. Maybe that's too broad of a yeah. question. Yeah, I mean, I think especially because the season ended so abruptly, and then I went to basketball. I mean, I haven't thought a ton about it, and I think that shows me what the season really was, which is kind of forgettable. You know, like I think people yeah. have tried to move on from it as quickly as possible. I think fans have tried to. I think the coaches have tried to. Um, I think the players have tried to. Like I think that everyone wants to kind of forget that that season happened. Um, I think that we'll learn over the next couple months still, you know, just kind of what was wrong. I mean, I think that there were some pretty clear issues in terms of, you want to use the word culture, or, you know, maybe I would use the word chemistry. I think the chemistry on the team just wasn't quite there. Let's do chemistry. Um, That's a new word. Yeah. I'm excited for a new and, word. Yeah, a new C word. Yeah, I, I mean, because culture is stupid. Uh, so we'll, we'll say chemistry because I think, I think chemistry is more important, to be quite honest, because I think that huh. I wouldn't necessarily say that Nebraska basketball had the best culture at the end of last season, but that chemistry that they had with seven scholarship players beat, uh, you know, beat some good teams at the very end and go on a small run. Now, you want overall culture to, you know, be good in a in an athletic program so you can sustain success, but I just think in general the chemistry in terms of quarterback to receiver, quarterback to center, quarterback to offensive line, uh, you know, the trust level of the defense and the coaches, like I just I didn't feel like it was all there and if and if it was all there then they wouldn't have only won five games. Um sure. I also think that it was a really it was a growing year for the coaching staff. I think we thought that, you know, there were things that happened in that first season that were apparent to me that just said, like, these guys aren't quite used to the Big Ten yet. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that Nebraska had been set up to be a really good Big 12 team, but being a really good Big 12 team doesn't mean anything in the Big Ten. And so I think that there were still some mistakes that that happened from, from the coaching perspective that, that really hurt Nebraska, and I think that 
you know, we all have to remember that Scott Frost is a younger head coach um, and that a lot of this coaching staff, this is the most uh, high-stakes job that they've had. Um, so I just think in general it was just kind of a disconnect overall um, from top to bottom, and everyone wants to kind of move on. But the, the problem with moving on is now we're in this space where, you know, you can say what you want about the, the preseason hype, you know, it wasn't it actually it wasn't local media, it was national media. In addition to local media saying, yeah, they're going to be better, in addition to fans being like, absolutely, they're going to be better. Why wouldn't they be? Um, and mm-hmm. so the fact that they the fact that they weren't tells me that this off season is going to be extremely interesting because I think people more than usual are aware of the hype cycle. Like people yeah. are understand like they it's like they understand their feelings now where. You know, there's a good recruit that commits, and everyone's really excited. And then I think there are a lot of fans that are like, okay, but I'm going to hold back. Like, I'm not going to go crazy thinking this kid's going to be all Big Ten freshman of the year. Like, I'm just going to kind of hold back and, um, you know, let's see if they can actually prove it. And that's not really happened in a while. Like, I think Nebraska fans have really tried to talk themselves into Nebraska being better than they ended up being. And so this, this offseason is going to be really interesting because I think that doubt has creeped in to, uh, you know, Scott Frost coaching a little bit in terms of what he's doing. Um, I think that doubt has creeped in just, just overall. Like, I think Nebraska fans want to not be hurt anymore. And so I'm curious what the what the cycle of hype really looks like and, and if we're really seriously talking again about Nebraska being a Big Ten West contender in August or, you know, July, July or August. Um, because I think if you ask people right now, they would say no. And I'm curious what in six or seven months what that actually, what the conversation actually is like. All right, you've got a 11-win team, two 10-win teams in the Big Ten West. I mean, we're uh, we're not even close to that right now. Yeah, I mean, it's we're half of that. Too. I was think- I, yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, I was thinking about Minnesota a lot, and if Nebraska did what Minnesota did, everyone would be crowning it as like they're going to go to the playoff next year. Like that's what it would be. People would people would would say, okay, Nebraska's back. This is it. You know they they mm-hmm. beat a really good uh, really good team in in, the, in their bowl. They're eleven and two. You know third season for PJ Fleck. Like this is it. Like they're going to go to the playoffs. Is going to be someone to contend with. And it's interesting because I think Minnesota season. There's a lot of thought of just like, well, it was a good season. We'll see if they can do it again. You know what I mean? Right. And so right. it's so interesting to me the conversation around Nebraska because I think just in general the football landscape is used to Nebraska being good. And so if there's ever even a shred of evidence that says that they're going to be good, everyone just goes all in. And they're like, well, yeah, it's Nebraska. They'll figure it out. Even though the last 20 years haven't been that great. I mean, I guess 15, I would probably say, haven't been that great. Um, we like to kind of glaze over the fact they went to an national title at this point. Um, but I just it, it, it's interesting to me because I think, yeah, you've got Wisconsin coming back and, and they're losing Jonathan Taylor, but like, I'm sure they'll just replace it with somebody. I mean, they got a they got a four star running back last year. I mean, the thing about Jonathan Taylor was he he won his starting position on the the last scrimmage of fall camp, I believe it was, or of the summer or something along those lines. Um, so he wasn't even really a starter going into that season three years ago. So they'll figure it out. So you've got you know Iowa, who's going to be Iowa, Minnesota, who you have to think about a lot now, and. Um, I just I, it's interesting to me because Nebraska's kind of lost in the, in the shuffle a little bit and. They're kind of exactly where they were a year ago, um, except for maybe a little less hope, even though they had one more win. Well, we're uh, we're talking here on, on Monday 
uh, late in the morning, and Jovan DeWitt just announced that he is now a special teams and outside linebacker coach at UNC. So that's, you know, a change that probably was necessary from a special teams perspective. And the very first moment I read that, I was surprised for a split second. Uh, but then you think, like, no, that that probably needed to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think that that was something that, um, again, we'll be, I'll be curious if Scott Frost would, would say this, but, you know, I, he wants continuity. Like, he wants that continuity, and right, that's one thing right. that they talk about a ton. But I also think that staff continuity 20 or 30 years ago was way easier than it is now um, because, especially, I mean, if you have a defensive back coach that's good, I mean, he's going to get – I mean, people are going to try and grab him all over the place. We've seen that with Travis Fisher. You see it with – you know, Dante Williams, like people, people want that, that cool, really good, savvy defensive back coach. So it's going to be an every year thing trying to keep Travis Fisher. Um, so I, I don't think, I think it's notable that Javon DeWitt left, but I think it's notable that it, Nebraska didn't fire him or that they didn't announce they were firing him, that this was yeah. leaving. Um, and so I, I'm curious what they'll do there. I mean, I think such teams was a disaster. Um, it really was. It, it just popped the bottom. That whole, I don't know. I don't know how you fix it. I'm not a football coach, but it, it, but it's it's interesting to me because I think that their idea is let's just put a bunch of walk-ons on there that can earn a scholarship, which is much different than what they did at UCF. UCF had a really good, um, did a really good special teams unit, and it was because they put starters out there. But the problem is oh, yeah. Nebraska's not Nebraska's not very deep. So you put your starters mm-hmm. out there, and they're playing all special teams, and then they're playing every single snap, offense or defense, and then they and you, it wears you down. And so I think yeah. when Nebraska realized that, they said, okay, well, let's just put, let's put some walk-ons on here who are going to be gritty and they're going to do what they need to do. Um, but the thing that we don't talk about a lot with walk-ons, we kind of romanticize them in a scholarship, and they're pretty good, um, but they're trying to tackle the fastest guy on Wisconsin's team. Or they're mm. trying to, you know, sustain a block from an Iowa linebacker who, you know, is a three-year starter. I mean, it's just – I don't think that that's, that's worked very well, and that, that was telling this year. So I don't know what they do in terms of personnel, um, special teams-wise. I also think, you know, Javon DeWitt was a, was a very great man, and he's extremely smart. He obviously has gone through so much with his cancer treatments. And so there's only so much you can – I mean, you don't really want to dog on the guy. Um, right, but, right. But the, other part, but, but the other part of his job was the one special teams, which is kind of a nightmare. And then also outside linebacker. And Nebraska still doesn't really have a pass-rushing outside linebacker that can change the game. And we all thought, you know, everybody kept saying maybe it's Alex Davis. Maybe it's Caleb Tanner. Caleb Tanner really hasn't done a lot since he's been here. Um, and so that's one of those things where I'm curious what they do with the position where, you know, maybe you have a special teams coordinator who isn't necessarily a coach but just like an assistant or something, and then you have an actual outside linebacker's coach, or you have – Barrett Rude be your inside and outside linebackers coach, and then you bring in a special, you know, special team coordinator who isn't a salaried assistant. Um, mm. So I'm just curious how they divvy up the duties, like how, how they're going to decide what those – I mean, because he's basically doing two jobs. And so I'm curious what they do there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think overall it's, it's a loss because Javon is such a good guy and, and you know, staff on duty, but – at the same time, you know, when when you've only won nine games in two years, things do need to change, and so I think that the change will be welcome. Well, and also, I know the staff recruits recruits regionally, and they don't send you know the outside linebacker guy to get outside linebackers, but you know they're 
that, that we missed so many times the last few years on big outside linebackers. Um, to your point about not having that that game changer, so yeah, some, something has to change, and so something did. So yeah, I I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens moving forward. But it's the the conference, the division's not getting any easier. Um, you know, Penn, uh, Purdue was was down this year, but I know they'll they'll bounce back. Illinois came on strong. Um, mm-hmm. There's just you can't not... ever really count on Northwestern. Like Northwestern was bad, but like you can't. I mean, it's had, as long as Pat Fitzgerald's there, they're always going to be a little bit harder than you think. Like they had a they had a historically terrible <laughs> offense this year, and they're, and they're changing their offense and uh, bringing a new offensive coordinator. But yeah, I mean, the Big Ten West. Like I still like the Big Ten West a lot. Like it's really fun. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Um, and it's really hard. Like, it, for where Nebraska is, it is very hard. Now, is the Big Ten East harder? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that the Big Ten West is easy for Nebraska. And I think that that's something that uh, fans and media and just the football world is trying to reckon with. Is like, Nebraska is basically not a factor in the West. They, I mean, they're not. And, I, don't, and I, yeah. I wouldn't even say that they are if they had one good year. Like, they need to have a couple good years to say, like, okay, this is, they're, they're a factor here. Um, and the thing is, is that, like, a lot of these teams that are in the Big Ten West love, love to beat Nebraska. Love to beat them. Like, Iowa sure. loves beating Nebraska. I think Minnesota and P.J. Fleck absolutely love beating Nebraska. And I think that Wisconsin, is, like, it's their favorite thing. Like, it's like their favorite homemade dish. It's like, oh, yes, we're going to play Nebraska again. And so you've got that added, added element where, like, you've got a target on your back. Um Indiana. I mean, Indiana's athletic director, whenever he retired, said that one of, like, the three things he was proud of, three most things he was most proud of whenever he retired was beating Nebraska and Lincoln. And so that's the thing that Nebraska's in again. It's like, you've got these two sides. One, where you're 9-15 in the last two years, and everyone's kind of laughing at you. But they respect you enough that whenever they beat you in one of your, you know, worst stretches in your history, uh, it's a big yeah. deal, you know? Um, so that's sort of The worst of both is. worlds. Yeah, you're literally the worst in both worlds. Yeah, but I mean, hey, that's what happens. Honestly, that's what happens when you're when you're good for a long time, and when you talk some smack. Like this is what happens. I think it's, it, again. I think Nebraska football and Indiana basketball are really similar. I really think mm. that they are. Um, and I am. I mean, every time Nebraska, if they beat Indiana, even if Indiana's not very good, it's a big deal because you look at Assembly Hall and you look at the jerseys, and it's like this means something. And I think people look at Nebraska football that way, where, you know, yeah, even though they're, they're not very good, this really means something. And so you've got that out of element to it. And so I don't know. I mean, it's, I, it, you don't really know what, what the future holds for Nebraska, um, especially, you know, I don't know if you want to talk quarterbacks at all, but that's going to kind of be the big sure. thing going in is, you know, is Adrian Martinez going to win that starting position back? How hurt was he? If he was that hurt, why were you playing him in the first place? Um, you know, every time you see Christian McCaffrey on the television, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Luke is on Nebraska's team, and he's really good. Um, and so I, I think that's going to be a pretty pretty huge element of this offseason is what does Scott Frost do at the quarterback position? And what do they tell us about how hurt Adrian Martinez is? And, and you know, Do you think they'll tell us anymore? I don't know. I think that my, my theory would be I don't think Scott would say anything, but I bet you Adrian would tell us. Because they, oh. I mean, they, I mean, I'm thinking it hurt. I mean, I think he'd be like, yeah, you know, I had a, had a shoulder injury and blah blah blah. Now they could hide behind this, 
you know, we don't talk about injuries around here. But the difference, the, the difference here is like, okay, we don't talk about injuries, but you're healthy enough to play, and play was not great. So if you're gonna, if you're gonna kind of lean on the he wasn't playing very well because of his injuries, then it would make sense to explain the injuries. You know what I mean? Like, sure. It was one of those like when Taylor Martinez had that turf toe or whatever the hell was wrong with him. Um, I think it was his senior year. And nobody knew. Everyone was like, what's going on with Taylor? He doesn't, he's, he's decided he's not going to run and he's also not fast enough. And there was just kind of a cloud of whatever. Well, after that season, we learned what the problems were. I can't remember off the top of my head this second, but I, I mean, it was turf toe. It was something with his toe. I think he broke his toe. And it, it was, was like, like super okay, well, that, turf toe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, okay, well, that makes sense. That's why he wasn't good and people could move on. I think because nobody really knows his injuries and it's kind of this mystery. It's just, it adds more frustration, I think, to people because, again, that, that idea of, like, okay, well, if he was healthy enough to play and he wasn't playing well, then why didn't he switch him out? Or, like, why do you excuse him just because he's hurt? You know what I mean? Like, do you see what I'm trying yeah. to say? Well, no, I think it's interesting going back a little bit to your comments about how they changed special teams, um, how they changed personnel. I remember when Trey Neal came um, from UCF, he's like, oh, yeah, my first thought was, like, what special team unit can I get on because that's what starters do. And so that was a pivot they made, and maybe maybe going into season three, they'll have the depth now that they can afford to not lean so much on walk-ons. So so they've made some changes all along the way. Maybe this is an instance where you know they have to adjust the way they've always done. It doesn't work here. Um, I don't know. You think? Can you think of any other big picture ways where they the staff is having to change what they do? I, admitting it's a young yeah. it's a young coaching staff. Yeah, and it's interesting because it's one of those things, too, where, like, like if you're a really good, like, I'm trying to think, if you're a really good, like, advertising agent, right, or you're a really good designer for an advertising agency, and, you know, you're 23, and you come up with an idea for a pitch, and it's, like, the best pitch of the country, right? It's the best thing that's, that's out there that year, and you win all these awards for it, and then you sit down at your desk again, and you're like, I'm just going to do the same thing. And so you kind of mm. come up with another pitch, and you come up with another pitch, and you pitch it, and it's really, really similar to what you had done, but the rest of, uh, you know, the advertising world is kind of over it, and they've moved on, and they're doing different things, and so you're just trying to do it over and over again, and it's not really working. That's kind of how I view the coaching staff in some ways, where they mm. have to change. Like, they have to do something different, because it worked once really, really well at UCF and the American Athletic Conference, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate exactly to the Big Ten. Um, and so I don't, I, and, but, but the thing is, is they're so adamant about not changing things. Like they're so, Scott is so adamant that this specific offense and these specific coaches with these specific players, it's going to work. You know, you hear him all the time saying, you know, I know where this is going, blah, blah, blah. I, and it's interesting because there's a certain point where you kind of have to look in the mirror and make difficult decisions. I think every head coach at some point has to really think about, you know, okay, who am I? What what's my identity? Like what what what's what's my program's identity and do I have to change it a little bit? Um, I think you saw that with Nick Saban in some ways in terms of the quarterbacks he started recruiting. I mean, do you remember like the quarterback like the quarterbacks in the you know, early the late two thousands and the early two thousand tens for Alabama? I mean it's just it was anybody it felt like anybody could play quarterback there. Like none of the quarterbacks were all that great, but they were yeah. you know serviceable, right? And then all of a sudden you get Jalen Hurts and you get Tua and 
you know, they're recruiting all these kind of dual threat. Like, you had to, because I think Nick Saban understood you have to change who you are sometimes. Um, well, and I'm not similarly, saying, it's, you know I mean? it's well documented how Tom Osborne changed his defense and that launched, uh, you know, mm-hmm. his dynasty. So, yeah, yep. that's a good point. You, and change it, has to happen. Yeah, and I, and I think in general, like, this is also something that, that every coach needs to do. And I, I get flack all the time for trying to make basketball metaphors for football things and football for basketball things. But, like, <laughs> I think high college basketball coaches in a lot of ways, they had to change the way they recruited and the way they played because of the one-and-done thing. Like, okay, well, do mm. I need to bring on a one-and-done? And if I do, does that change what I need to do because I need to cater to this guy? Or do I not do that but everybody else is doing that? And so I think with Scott Frost, to kind of get back on track, I think I don't know if he needs to – radically change everything that he does. But I'm curious the wrinkles because things obviously need to change. Like he's nine yeah. fourteen or nine fifteen in two years. If he was literally any other person on the planet and he had that record, I think Nebraska probably fired them. I mean, this is what we're at now where there were three different coaches who after two seasons they were fired this year. And but because of the belief in Scott Frost, like he's still here. And so I think at a certain point you have to you have to have an urgency to change a little bit of what you're doing. Um, now, I, me personally, I don't know exactly what that is. Um, I don't know what the conversations they're having in terms of uh, you know scheme or, or whatnot. And maybe maybe it changes a little bit because Adrian Martinez is a little bit healthier, or you get a couple more weapons. Um, but that's the one thing that I'm super interested in is like what what if anything are you willing to change or or how are you evolving as a coach? Because, again, he's young. So how are you evolving as a coach and what you're thinking and what you've seen in the last two years at Nebraska? How do you kind of propel that forward? Well, you can – you can, and he can definitely keep the, you know, the core, the foundational principles of his – Yeah. His, you know, what he, how he wants to do things. He can keep that intact. That doesn't have to change, just, but the execution of Oh, absolutely, of it, yeah. And, you know, he doesn't yeah. have to I'm change the like, strategy, but he needs to change the tactics maybe or I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. It's, so, yeah. Like it's what, yeah, it's one of those things where you don't need to like, okay, well, we're not going to be a spread offense anymore. We're going to be Wisconsin. Like I'm not saying that. I'm just saying mm-hmm. like schematically of like, all right, maybe we take these swing passes and we put them in our back pocket and we run on third and one. Or how about we put in? How about instead of trying to be cute when we get to the red zone, let's decide to just be bullies and let's run it in. Or let's, you know, they, they got Omar Manning, so you have kind of a red zone target now. So let's decide that we're going to do this. You, you know what I mean? Like almost yeah. just maturing in, in the way that you do things. And I think that no matter what you're doing in life, like you, you need to be, you need to be maturing and growing and what you're doing or else you're not going to, you're going to become stale. Um, sure. So I think that's one thing Scott Frost is trying to be. He's always tried to be innovative. Um, and so you have innovation and not trying to outthink yourself and kind of mash it together. And, um, I think that, again, I mean, everybody has such a high esteem for Scott Frost's offensive mind, um, and I think that at times maybe he was trying to think too hard because of just what he had, because uh, it wasn't great. Um, and maybe that, since they have a couple more weapons now, they can tone it back a little bit. But I just, I'm curious what that maturation looks like in terms of different wrinkles and what they can do. Yeah, well, um, spring ball, uh, I, it'll be interesting to see. If anything looks different, I'm sure they'll be. Maybe they'll do some specific red zone drills uh, during the spring game just to show us that they they are making changes. I would be excited to see that. Um, there's there's definitely things that need to happen, and um, but 
you know, back to what you, you said at the very beginning, I think people are just ready to to move on from this year. And uh, Mike and I recently recorded our season recap, and there was a couple of games in the midst of that midseason losing streak that I had almost completely blocked out. It's like, oh, I didn't even want to think about this again. Um, right. So. Yeah, like, all that like I, I think that's – sorry, go yeah. ahead. Uh, all that to say is it's – it's good that it's the off season, and uh, look forward to reading uh, basketball content from you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things too where I, I remember saying last year after after Scott Frost's first season, I was like, you know, the best thing that could happen to Scott Frost right now is basketball to be good, and everyone oh, sure. on that. And now yeah. it's year two, and it's like, okay, the best thing to happen for Scott Frost is Fred Herbert's first year to go be been great, and they're six and eight and small, and have 17 more Big Ten games in front of them uh, that's going to be kind of long and grueling. And so, I don't know, it's just it's interesting because I think that this might be kind of the darkest point before the dawn in some ways. Like, I, I don't think that Nebraska wins five games next year football-wise. I don't think that Nebraska basketball is terrible next year. And so I think mm-hmm. it's one of those – the way that I at least sense it is fans are like – let's just put our heads down and like step away from Twitter for a little bit and pick up gardening and like maybe go to the gym a couple more times a week. And once, once August rolls around, then I'll start poking back in and kind of seeing how things are going. Um, Because right now it's the ugly part of building an athletics department. And to be quite honest, like for men's basketball and, and, and football. I mean, women's basketball is doing extremely well. Volleyball is volleyball. I mean, they're. I mean, I, I seriously think that every single coach should, like, have an hour-long meeting with John Cook so John Cook can say, like, here's how you do things. Um, hmm. But, 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 but I'll be, I mean, this offseason thing is going to be pretty long. There's going to be some really honest conversations about what needs to happen. The quarterback thing is, is extremely interesting. I, I've always – I mean, Adrian's such a great kid. Um, and I think that if he was that hurt, I think that they probably put him in a pretty unfair position uh, sure. to succeed because, it, I mean, it's just not fair. Um, so I'm really curious. But at the same time, it's really, really hard not to look at Luke McCaffrey and, like, literally everything that you see. Um, so I think there's going to be really honest, weird, long offseason. Um, it's always – I mean, it's always interesting <laughs> on this beat. So we'll, we'll kind of have to see what happens. Well, we'll uh, we'll hope to stay in touch as the season or the off season progresses, and yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, hopefully things are a little bit more rosy next time I come on because I feel like I always remind everyone that they're bad, but they're not so bad that they're like firing everybody. So, I mean, I think things will get better. There, let, that, let's end on that note. Thank you for your okay. time, Chris. All right. Take hey, care. no problem. No problem. Thanks, man. See ya. Thanks again to Mr. Hetty for joining us on the podcast. You can read his work in the Omaha World Herald and on Omaha.com. Be sure to follow him on Twitter also at Hetty underscore Chris. And don't forget, Central Nebraska Buffalo just launched a brand new website at CNBuffalo.com. At CNBuffalo.com, you can learn about the nutritional benefits of bison, learn how the Central Nebraska Buffalo are raised, and most importantly, place an order for some bison meat. You can get everything from ground bison to ribeye steaks to jerky sticks. Mm, 
jalapeno and cheese bison jerky sticks. Again, that's cnbuffalo.com. As always, thanks for listening, and go Big Red! The Husker Football Fan Podcast is an unofficial, non-commercial podcast and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast belong solely to the individuals expressing them. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with the Nebraska Cornhuskers or the University of Nebraska. Nebraska.